Uh, we are in week number six of our series, I Am, and we have taken the statements of Jesus in the book of John that uh, he himself said um, about himself. And you know as well as I do that you don't have to look very far to see that there are plenty of people who are saying things about Jesus. Right? Some of them are good things, some of them are not so good, some of them are true, some of them are not true, some are just misinformed. But these statements that we're talking about in the book of John that we've been talking about for the last several weeks, uh, they are statements that Jesus said about himself. We saw where he said, I'm the bread of life, he, he, I'm the light of the world, I'm the gate, or, or I'm the door, I'm the good shepherd. Each of these statements, even though they're powerful as they stand alone, all of them together kind of paint a picture of this amazing, all-powerful God that we have the opportunity to serve every single day. We turn our attention today to John chapter 15, verse 5, where Jesus, because of everything else that he said, everything else that he's done, he can say this with absolute authority. He says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, last week, Kendall dealt with the statement, I'm the resurrection and the life, and he brought up the uh, great theologian Reba McIntyre, uh, when, when she asked the question, is there life out there? And I know some of you uh, were probably um, thinking, you know, uh, I, there's, there's times I've asked that, that question. Is there more to this life? Is there something out there that I'm missing out on? There's probably some of you who are sitting out there this morning who pretty much feel like your whole life is trying to to fold a fitted sheet correctly. You know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever been there where you do everything you can possibly do to fold? You even watch videos. Have you seen the videos on how to do it? I've seen YouTube it. It's there. I still can't do it, right? And you do your best and you, you, you lay it all out there and everything that you can possibly do, you try to do it, but then you still feel like your life is wadded up and thrown in the drawer. Can I get an amen to that? Sometimes I think we as Christians... We need, to, we need to just kind of embrace the chaos that life is sometimes and understand that Jesus can take your chaos and he can use it for something incredibly powerful. In John chapter 14, Kendall dealt with, I'm the resurrection and the life. And then a little bit later on, just a, just a chapter later, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And then he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches and those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The Apostle Paul later said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. Jesus says here, without me, you really can't do anything, at least anything that's of any eternal significance, anything that matters in the kingdom. I've never heard anybody in my life you ever seen when little kids are talked to and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I've never heard one little kid say, you know what, when I, when I grow up, I hope to do absolutely nothing. I've never seen a little kid say, I, when I grow up, I hope to be a complete loser. We, we, don't, we don't see that, right? 
What is Jesus saying here when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing? Because nobody sets out on this journey with Jesus. Nobody sets out on this journey in life to accomplish absolutely nothing. And so I think it's going to help if we look at, at verses 1 through 4 leading up to verse 5 of John chapter 15. Jesus says this, I am the true grapevine and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. I'm going to stop right there for a moment and talk about this flower that my wife has for some reason will not die, right? Now, now we are not really all that great. I mean, we could probably kill artificial plants, but for some reason, there's this flower that Stacy got that, that is, st it's a spring flower that is still just blooming and it's absolutely beautiful and we have no idea why. She has pruned it back some. I'm going to guess that has something to do with it, right? And that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. If you remain in me, I'll prune you so that you can be purified, so that you can grow, Right? He says, remain in me, I'll remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. I think the first thing that we need to consider here today is this, there's power in the vine. There's power in Jesus. Would you say amen to that this morning? Do you believe that, that there's power in Jesus? And the power of Jesus that we read about in our text is manifested in who he is. It's his divine nature. He's the vine. He's the source of life. He's the sustenance for the branches. Remember uh, several weeks ago, the second week of our series, uh, he said, I'm the bread of, of life. It might have been the first one, actually. Uh, he, yeah, that was the first one. I'm the bread of life. That is the sustenance. That's what people lived on. And that's what we look at today as well. If we remain in Christ, he as the vine, we are the branches. He is the sustenance of life. And without us being connected to that branch, we're going to die. But if we're connected to the branch, not only will we survive, he says we're going to bear fruit. If we are severed from that branch, we cannot spiritually survive. But if we are connected to it, we're going to have this deep, uh, continual growth within ourselves produced by the Holy Spirit and produced by being connected to Jesus. And we're going to grow in a way that we could not grow by ourselves. And this is a powerful connection we're talking about. It's more than just sustaining life. It's thriving in life. It's, it's growing. It's being faithful. And the fruit of uh, what Jesus is talking about here, it's not, just, it's not just a bunch of good deeds. It doesn't mean that you're just going to go around, you're going to do a bunch of good deeds. It doesn't mean you're just going to have all the right moral behavior. It means you're going to have all of these characteristics. You're going to have all of these traits that the Holy Spirit produces inside of us that he cultivates in us. Paul talks about it in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness self-control. These qualities we cannot manufacture on our own. We can try to. We can try to produce these, but it's, it's going to be artificial fruit. You ever have, did your grandparents ever have like artificial apples or artificial bananas sitting in a bowl on top of their, her dining room table? Any of you ever try to eat that when you were a kid? Or, 
I did, right? And, and it, it wasn't all that good, right? The fruit was terrible. It was fake. It wasn't genuine. And we can try to produce this stuff in our own lives. But if we don't have the Holy Spirit leading us, guiding us, directing us, thriving within our lives, we're never going to be what we could possibly be unless we are completely in tune with the Spirit. We can't manufacture these on our own. We can fake it, but we're not going to get very far. And let me remind you that this fruit of the Spirit, this is singular, right? Notice he doesn't say the, the fruits of the Spirit. It's, it's fruit. It, it's singular. In other words, the fruit that we see should be all of these things. These are, these are things that all of these things we should be producing in our lives, not just pick and choose this kind of thing here or pick and choose this one here. Like some days, you know what, I'm going to be kind and I'm going to be faithful. This day I'm going to have patience and this day I'm going to love some people. It should be all of these things all of the time. Now, I know that only Jesus was able to do this all of the time, but this should be our goal, right? Jesus was the only human that could accomplish this while he was living on this earth. But if we stay connected to him, we have the power to produce more and more and more fruit in our lives all of the time. And the power of Jesus is transformative. Listen, when we say we abide in Jesus, we are not just improved versions of ourselves. The Bible says we're new creations. The old is gone. We're reborn. We're renewed. We're not just 2.0. We are new. And this transformation isn't just a one-time event. This is something that goes on and on and on. It's a process that takes time. And as we continue to abide in Jesus, his power continually works in us. And he molds us into his likeness. And that's the goal for every believer, to be as much like Jesus as possible. And it's through his power that we're saved from sin and death. And then he changes us from what we once were into something new. Jesus. The vine. You know, when he was hanging on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, the vine was cut off from his father. Whew. And he was willing to be cut off from the father so that we could be connected to him later through his resurrection. He was grafted back in. We are grafted into the vine, and now we have the opportunity to experience this new, exciting, fruitful, joy-filled life. This is the ultimate demonstration of his power. You know, we sit back sometimes and go, God, why don't you do something about this? God, why don't you do something about what's happening in Israel? God, why didn't you do something on 9-11? God, why don't you do something about my friend who's suffering from cancer? God, why don't you do something about all of the injustices in the world? He, he could. But let me tell you something. The greatest demonstration of his power was when he saved you from your sin. And he sustains us. I don't know the answers to all of those other questions. I wish I did, I think. Maybe I don't wish I did. I don't think my mind, I mean, if I knew, my mind would probably go. Poof. And here's the good news. This amazing power, the power of the resurrection that saves us from our sin, the Bible says is available to us. It's freely given to all who accept it. And all we need to do is remain in him. And his power is going to 
work in us and through us. And you know what? In 30 years of ministry, I've seen a lot of different people come and go. I've seen how people react to different things in their lives. And I can tell whether they've remained connected to the vine or not. Because there's a noticeable difference in the way people handle adversity if they know Jesus or not, right? Bruce Larson tells a great story about how when he would talk with people who were struggling in their lives, um, how, how they couldn't stay connected to the true vine, uh, he, he, would, he would do something. He said, for many years I worked in New York City and I counseled at my office and any number of people who were wrestling with this yes or no decision, often I would suggest that they go on a walk with me from my office down to the RCA building on Fifth Avenue. He says, in the entrance of that building is a gigantic statue of Atlas, a perfectly proportioned man who, with all his muscles straining, is holding up the world on his shoulders. He would point to it and say, there he is, the most powerful man, supposedly, who ever lived, yet with all of his strength and with all of his power, he's still struggling. See how his knee is? He's still struggling to do everything, and he's the most powerful human that ever lived, supposedly. And he would say to them, now that's one way that you can live, and then I would take that companion of mine across the street, and I would take them to St. Patrick's Cathedral, and there's a shrine of a little boy Jesus, perhaps eight or nine years old, with no effort at all, holding the whole world in his hands. And he would say to them, you can try it in your own strength, like the one statue, or you can give your world to Jesus and let him take it. And just see how easily and how completely and how perfectly he handles the situation. Now, to experience his power, it doesn't just come naturally, right? You must stay connected to the vine. Another thing that I've witnessed down through the years is that some people will make a decision to follow Jesus. They will give their lives to Christ. They'll repent of their sins. They'll be baptized into him. And then that's it. And then they're done. They think they've arrived. They think they're there. They're good. That's all. That's it. They just want their ticket to heaven and then they're good. And then a little farther down the road, they wonder why they struggle with certain things in their lives. They wonder why they don't feel as close to God as they did when they gave their lives to God. They wonder why they don't feel as close to the church body as they once did. And then in the church, we hear through the grapevine, pun intended. I was pretty happy with that one, with what we're talking about. But anyway, we hear, I'm just not being fed anymore. How connected are you? Remaining connected to Jesus is not a one-time decision. It's a continuous daily commitment. It's an ongoing relationship that requires our active participation. And this connection isn't about coming to church and just performing a bunch of religious rituals, some empty tradition, but it's about a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about knowing Him, loving Him, and living in obedience to His Word. I've actually heard some people say, it's just so hard to be that connected to one person like that. To be that connected to one uh, event or, or to one person. Is it really? 
How many of you, you get in your car, your truck, whatever kind of vehicle you drive, you start to pull away from the house, and you don't even get out of the driveway, and you're like, oh my goodness, I forgot my phone. You go back in, you're absolutely in in a panic because you almost drove off without your phone. You have absolutely no problem staying connected to that thing. In fact, there are days when I would love to just take this thing out and, and I'll tell you what. Wouldn't you love to do this? Some days? That was pretty good. Don't worry, Kendall ran over this a year ago. It's not a real phone, but we were out golfing one day, and he backed over. I just thought it'd be fun just to get you for that moment right there. Y'all didn't fall for that. You're too smart for that. But there are days we're so connected, we can't get away from it. The number of times, and I'm guilty of this as well, the number of times we sit in a restaurant as husband and wife or as a family And the two of us have got our noses in our phones or our families all got our noses in our phones. We can't even stay connected to each other like we do the phone. And here's the creator of the universe who died for you. It was just too hard. I think the problem with many of us who call ourselves Christians is that we're just disconnected from the vine. Yet we pretend like we're still connected and we try to produce that artificial fruit. It's kind of like that young lawyer who's setting himself up with his first practice. He's in the big city. He's sitting in his office. His office is basically bare except for a desk and a telephone that's in there and, and, uh, and there's a bookcase in there and some other little things. But he, he was hoping for his first client and, and as luck would have it, he looks out the window and he sees a guy walking across the street and so he gets excited and he starts to feel nervous. He wants to make a good impression on the guy that's coming in so he quickly picks up the phone, starts talking to an imaginary client on the other end and the man just standing there in front of the desk and he waited for several minutes and the lawyer hangs up the phone and, and, and with the most professional voice and very distinguished how may I help you and the guy says well, I'm here to hook up your phone um, <laughs> how many of us have played that game we just kind of put on like everything's going great yet we're not We're not really connected. And you might fool some people that come into your life. But you're not fooling God. You're not fooling yourself. And God says, I want you to be connected to me. One way that you can do that is through prayer. We talk to him every day. We have the privilege, guys, of talking to God every day single day. We can present our needs to him, our concerns, our desires. We give him our praises. We have the opportunity to do that every single day. And as we spend time in prayer, that's when we start to grow in our understanding just how great this 
true vine is and what his desire is for us. And we start to gain those nutrients that the, that the vine sends to us through, through the branch. And we start to gain strength and we start to gain wisdom and guidance for our lives. And, and in addition to that, we remain connected to Jesus through Bible study. We're starting a new one on Tuesday for, for some of you who said, well, I just can't make it out on Wednesday night or any of those other days. We're giving you a daytime option, 9 o'clock Tuesday morning. We're going to study the book of John. I'm teaching it. I'd love to have you there as a part of it. And as we dive into his word, we see just how much he loves us and what his plan is for our lives. And as we read it and meditate on it, we are transformed by the truth. And we're equipped, we're empowered to live out our faith for him. As the psalmist said in 119 verse 105, your word is a lamp on my feet and a light for my path. Another way to stay connected to the vine is through a life group here at church. I don't know, I'm looking at, at the crowd here this morning, and quick number, I'd say there's about 600 people here this morning. <laughs> and uh, uh, you, you realize that only about 10% of us are involved in life groups? It's not great. The Christian was never meant to live in isolation. Now, if you're surrounded yourself with other people and you've got that accountability, and that, that's wonderful. I don't want to be down on you this morning, but, but those of you who don't have that connection, I encourage you to get connected with somebody. We need each other for encouragement, for support, for accountability. And we share our lives with one another. And when we do that, we grow in our faith. And as we grow in our faith, we become more like Jesus, which is the ultimate goal. And we need that. If you've ever noticed, uh, I, I, in pretty much every email that I send out, if you've ever gotten an email from me or if you're on the newsletter list, if you receive that electronic newsletter every week, I write a little uh, blurb in there. And at the end of it, I always say, on this journey together. That's not just a tagline. I hope that doesn't sound cheesy to you. But we are. We're doing this together, guys. J.I. Packer said, Once you become aware that the main business that you're here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. Our life is about knowing God personally, intimately. It's about making Him the center of our lives. And when we do this, we're going to find out that our problems aren't going to go away. But we're going to find that they're put in their proper perspective and with the love and support of people in our lives and the transforming power of God, we're able to deal with it. Now here's the third point if you're taking notes. If we stay connected to the vine, then we produce fruit. I already alluded to that earlier. But as Christians, we are called to live like Christ. We're called to love others, to bear fruit accordingly. And you might be asking, well, what is the tangible fruit of a Christ-filled life supposed to be like? What am I looking for? How can I tell when I'm really living for Jesus? In what areas of my life can I pray to God about improving? How can I pray for God to challenge me in certain areas? Well, the fruit that I'm referring to, a lot of it I already talked about in Galatians chapter 5. And it's tangible evidence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. There's several aspects of it. 
and, and I want to share those with you. And this isn't an exhaustive list, but it's, it's some that really jump out to me. We'll just go through these Galatians 5. When love, that's the first one, it's considered the greatest fruit of all, right? It's, it's kind of like the apple, right? That's the greatest fruit. Amen? Okay, just two of us. All right, awesome. Uh, I love apples. I thought that would get more of an amen, but it didn't. Uh, but that's the greatest fruit, love. It involves showing selfless love toward God and selfless love toward other people, even when it's difficult, even when people are unlovable. And Jesus emphasized the importance of this kind of love in chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 of the book of John. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. And this is the kicker right here. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. That's how the world's going to see that we're truly believers. We're truly followers. It's not by our programs. It's not by our attendance. It's not by our worship service. It's not by our building expansions. It's by our love. Another aspect is joy. We're called to experience deep and lasting joy that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just fleeting happiness, not just experiencing a few things that are going to make us feel good for a little while based on external circumstances. We're talking about these deep-seated feeling of joy. Christians should be the happiest people in the world. Yet I see so many of them walking around like they were baptized in pickle juice. You know what I'm talking about? It shouldn't be. Another one is peace. Peace is the inner calm and contentment that comes from knowing Christ as Lord and Savior despite the turmoil in the world. We as Christians, I know we watch the news, we get upset about what's going on around the world, but we should have this sense of peace regardless of what's happening, happening around the world. God's in control. Nothing's catching him off guard. When Hamas went into Israel and started dragging people away, God wasn't sitting up there going, oh, I didn't see that coming. It's tragic. I don't like it. Innocent people are dying, but God is still in control. Philippians 4, 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Patience, we're called to show patience and long-suffering, demonstrating endurance and forbearance with others. Sometimes it's easy to be patient. Other times it's not so easy. This morning, I wake up at 3 o'clock. Our grandchildren were spending the night with us last night. Nick and Macy were at a wedding. Brooks wakes up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I was happy to get up with, I mean this, I was happy to get up with him and rock him and sing to him in our recliner at 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, I don't want to make a habit of it. Are you watching, Nick, Macy? Uh, there, won't be a, there won't be a habit of it. But it was awesome. And I had incredible patience there. But it, we should have this kind of patience with people that we don't even like. We get all bent out of shape. And now, t how many of you can relate to this? You're, you got the two-line system at McDonald's, right? And how many of you get aggravated when three cars go through before you get your order taken? Right? 
you get a little ticked off. You start getting mad at the people on the inside. And you lose your patience. That's dumb. But I do it all the time. We as Christians have got to do better. You know, don't start honking your horn. I haven't done that. But, but just do better. Since God chose you to be his holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Kindness and goodness. These qualities involve showing benevolence, showing generosity to people. Again, sometimes people who don't deserve it. This is what it says, Romans 15, 14. I'm fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you're full of goodness. You know these things so well you can teach each other all about them. Faithfulness, it implies being reliable, being there, be trustworthy, be loyal to God, be loyal to one another. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Now a person who's put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Gentleness. We're encouraged to show humility, meekness, gentleness in our interactions with others. Is what Ephesians 4, 2 says. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance. I love this one. Making allowance for each other's faults. Because of our love. Self-control involves mastering your desires or your impulse. Self-control is what keeps you from honking the horn in the two-line system at McDonald's, right? 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now, just a couple very quickly outside of the Galatians 5 fruit that we should be seeing in Christians. The Bible is very clear that we should be leading others to Christ. We're called to be witnesses. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ, sharing the gospel. So as you're living out your life and this fruit is evident and someone comes to you and is talking to you and they say, well, what is it that's different about you? Why aren't you honking at the person in front of you in the drive-thru at McDonald's? You can say, well, it's because of Jesus. And let me tell you, you can have that same thing. At some point, you got to open your mouth. And share the gospel. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Acts 1, 8. We're instructed to do this. And then doing good works. We're encouraged to do good deeds and acts of service. Reflecting Christ's love to other people. Making a positive impact in our world. It's important to note that the production of spiritual fruit. Again, it's not achieved through mere human effort. It's achieved through allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to have His way in your life. And as we grow in our relationship with Christ, the fruit of the Spirit becomes more evident in our lives. People are going to become more curious about this Jesus that you serve. It's going to open the door for you to share your faith with other people. And remember, this isn't a sprint. This isn't a 100-meter dash. It's a marathon. We're in it for the long haul, guys. We're in it for eternity's sake. And we know that that process takes some time. And I'm here to take as much time as you need. We're, on, we're in this journey together. I want to help you through that. 
And all of us are at different places in our, in our journey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask our worship team to come. And as they're coming here this morning, I want you to just stop and think about where you might be in your journey. Some of you are just getting started. Some of you, you, you are newly baptized believers in Jesus. You're just getting going. Some of you need to get started. You've not made that decision yet. And you need to do that. Some of you, um, you've been on this journey for many years. And you've matured quite nicely. And you're about as fruity as anybody. <laughs> Take that however you want. No, you're, you're just full of fruit. I mean, that, I mean that as a compliment, right? You've matured incredibly over time. I'm going to guess that a lot of us, though, are in this position. We've been Christians for many years, but there's not a lot of fruit being displayed. Again, only you know that, and God. And I encourage you during this time of decision to think about where you're at in your journey. I encourage you to understand who the true vine is. Understand there's power in that vine. To change your life, to make you somebody new. Once you allow him into your life. And as you stay connected to him, you're going to see this incredible fruit. Uh, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And um, as we offer this song of decision, uh, maybe some of you right where you're at, you just need to, you just need to spend some time in prayer, talking to God and say, God, help me. Help me to be more connected to you, more connected to your people. Help me to grow and produce this fruit that we read about in Scripture. There might be some of you, you're just getting started and uh, you know, you're diving in and you're excited. I pray that excitement continues. We want to help you in that way as much as we can. Um, maybe some of you need to make that decision today. To surrender your life to Jesus, confess your sins to Him, repent of them. Maybe you need to be baptized into Him today. Whatever it is, we encourage you to come during this song. Let's pray together.